Syracuse basketball back at it against Louisville tonight in Kentucky at the KFC Yum Center. Uh, should be an exciting game, one Syracuse needs uh, after a loss to Pitt and then a win against Boston College. Louisville, a very, very bad team, 2-12 and 12 on the year. We'll break it all down for you on Lockdown Syracuse. It starts right now. Our Locked On Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Matt Bonaparte, Owen Valentine with you on Lockdown Syracuse. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. This is your Tuesday episode, free and available wherever you get podcasts. Um, We've been gone for a little while, so I'm glad that we're back, Owen. I feel like we haven't done a pod in, like, I don't know, a million years, but it's probably been, like, three days. Um, uh, But we're back. Talking yes, about Happy Louisville New Year, everybody. against Syracuse. Yes, Happy New Year. First podcast in the new year for us in 2023. Uh, first basketball game for Syracuse in the new year. They're taking on Louisville. Louisville, uh, if for some reason they're ringing a bell for you, but not really, you don't know why you're, you, you feel uh, something towards Louisville. Maybe it's because Kamari Lands. Uh, who was Syracuse's best commit, committed to Syracuse, then decommitted and then committed to Louisville. He uh, was a huge name in the class of 2023 for Syracuse. Justin Taylor probably came to Syracuse because Kamari Lance did. Uh, and then Lance said, psych, I'm going elsewhere, and went to Louisville. Um, we posted a thread, uh, just an update, on every Syracuse transfer, export, and decommit. Lance was included in that. He has not had a spectacular freshman season, just a shade under six points a game, two rebounds a game, and half an assist. He has not been spectacular, uh, but he's also hasn't started a game and hasn't even played 20 minutes per game, so I don't know how much uh, those numbers really define his play. But this team, as a whole, is really, really bad. Kenny Payne... The coach of Louisville, this is his first season. Uh, he's struggling, and it's kind of hard to, you know, say. It's kind of hard not to say that the bottom has fallen out for this program. I mean, really, Chris Mack, when he was the coach, you thought maybe they could regain uh, some glory, but uh, he had a rough go of it last year, uh, left, was let go in the middle of the season. I can't exactly remember how that went. Um, and now Kenny Payne has taken over, and they are really, really struggling. Only two wins on the season, one over Western Kentucky, the other uh, over Florida A&M. They're 2-12. and Their last game was against Kentucky. They lost 86-63. to uh, They just have not had a good go of it. They are projected to lose every single game within the ACC slate from Ken Palm. Uh, you there's not a lot of savory things to say about Louisville Owen. No, you there really aren't. It's it's not a, a good state of a program for them, which is really weird because it seemed like you know they were very much on the rise and, and playing really good basketball, 
as a program and, and becoming like such a such an awesome team. Uh, you think back to like Donovan Mitchell uh, in what 2017, 2016, 17, around that time. Uh, that team was outstanding, and they were figuring things out, and seemed like they were on the rise. Uh, but they, they, you know, 18, they drop a little bit. 2019, not great. But 2020, uh, before the COVID year, before the tournament gets canceled, they're, you know, a top 10 basketball team. And we're really, really uh, a tough team to beat and a difficult squad to play against. And, I mean, that 2020 season, they torched Syracuse um, by like 25 or something like that uh, when they played. Like, this was a really, really good team. And then post-COVID, uh, in 2021, they were okay. In 2022, they started decent. They started 4-0 and in conference play last season and then finished out the conference slate at 6-14. and They went 2-14 and to close out the conference slate. Uh, they weren't good, and it has very much heightened and exponentially worsened to where they fall right now. They're 200 and 69th in the country in Ken Palm ratings. Their only two wins this season are Western Kentucky, who is 149th, and Florida A&M, who is 357th. That has yeah. to be pretty darn near last place uh, in college basketball in terms of how bad Florida A&M is. Uh, and that is your two wins. You've got losses to Bellarmine, who's 268, App State, who's 225, Lipscomb, who's 223. This is a bad basketball team. And I, I don't know what the bright spots are. I don't know the outlook for them right now. Like, is there the turnaround? What is going on? Because it did seem like they were very much trending in the right direction, right? You think like when Syracuse first joined the ACC, Louisville was incredible, right? When when Louisville and Syracuse were, were switching over from, from the Big East to the ACC, this was another powerhouse. Like 2014 Louisville was, was phenomenal, same as Syracuse. Those two teams were absolutely outstanding. Uh, and, you know, they continued it for a little bit, but have really dipped off in the last like three or four years. Uh, and it's, it's been a tough trajectory. It almost, you know, Syracuse has never been this bad, but it does mirror Syracuse's, you know, trajectory since joining the Big East in a lot of ways, or joining the ACC in a lot of ways in that they were a really, really good program when they joined the ACC and were early on in ACC time, you know, a powerhouse and very, very tough to play against and a team that you dreaded seeing on the schedule. And now <laughs> for Syracuse, you're jumping for joy. You're playing Louisville this game. This is huge, right? How many of us thought for Syracuse that coming into this game, this is an easier per Ken Palm numbers game than Northeastern. Or this is yeah, two teams nuts. better than the game against Oakland. Right? Like that is that is how bad this current state is for Louisville. And it's it's baffling to look at. Like I knew they were bad and I'm watching them play poorly. And it, it didn't necessarily land as much as you know you'd expect it to, given how bad these numbers really are for Louisville. You know, all this to say it would be a terrible loss for Syracuse. 100%. This game yeah, would be awful. a ruthless loss, uh, one that you just cannot lose. 
Um, so we'll talk a little bit more about Syracuse and the game against Boston College and how we feel about the team uh, on the other side of this break. But first, let me tell you about LinkedIn because as small businesses or small business owners uh, or hiring managers, you know that success in 2023 all depends on the team members you surround yourself with. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can hire qualified candidates with more efficiently or more efficiently by matching open roles with people who have the skills, values, and experiences to help you achieve your goals. LinkedIn Jobs helps you quickly attract qualified candidates to your open jobs with targeting tools. They go beyond resume data by using insights from your job post company and their 875 million member profiles to put your post in front of the most qualified candidates. Identify the most qualified candidates on LinkedIn Jobs and connect with them fast and for free. LinkedIn Jobs makes it easy to screen and rate applicants based on your job qualifications all on one platform. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering qualified or quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash Lockdown College. That's LinkedIn.com slash Lockdown College to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Okie doke. Um, Syracuse took down Boston College over the weekend on New Year's Eve. I hope it was a fun New Year's Eve for everybody listening and everybody that was on the hill for it. Maybe you were at the game to watch Syracuse win this one. 79-65 was the final score, and it was never really a sweat. Um, Maybe it was close at some points, but pretty much Syracuse uh, took it. Uh, Gerard was great in this game, 24 points from him. They had four guys in double digits. Uh, Benny Williams was the real story, though. A double-double from Benny. He shot a couple of threes. Everybody, I think, in the Syracuse landscape is really warming up to Benny and thinking Benny could be that guy. Um, I'm really happy with where Benny has has grown this season thus far. Obviously, I want him to continue that growth, but he has impressed me. Uh, I really, really like that kid. And if he can keep putting in performances like this, he could be that X factor that we talked about a couple of episodes ago uh, that Syracuse will need. Because if it you know, ends up resorting to this team goes as far as Joe Girard takes it, there will be problems because Joe Girard is not fantastic every game. Uh, and despite him playing re- relatively well in this one, like I said, 24 points, uh, made four or 10 threes, He's not going to play this well every single game. And Judah Mintz was great in this game as well, 18 points, and he's been named ACC Freshman of the Week, I think, for the third time. Uh, But he has off games too. The guy that you need to get going is Jesse Edwards, who in 25 minutes only shot the ball eight times uh, for 10 points. He had eight rebounds, sure, but nearly fouled out uh, with a lackluster line. Um, But, Owen, how do you see it? Right now I look at... You know, I look at this team and I, I think, you know, four of the five starters are are starting to come into their role really well. And you're seeing that production. And this is a huge game in terms of confidence for, you know, Benny, obviously himself, but, you know, as a fan base to see Benny come out and play a really solid game goes such a long way. And I think it's it's what everyone's looking for, right? We've had so much talk about the forward spots this season and finding guys who are 
right? You know, you're two forwards, you got 80 minutes, you know, who needs that chunk of minutes? Who deserves, you know, 30 of those 80? Who deserves maybe 10 of those 80? Who deserves 20 of those 80, right? Where do those minutes sort of distribute between Benny, between Bell, between Justin Taylor, between uh, John Bull, between uh, Malik Brown, right? Those five guys, how does that 80 minutes sort of break down? And Benny playing like this, is what I think everyone wanted coming into the season. And you just said this team in terms of success will go as far as Joe Girard takes it. But our preseason conversations that we were having bones was this team will go as far as Benny Williams takes them because of that role and like his elevation uh, and improvements or him not elevating and improving was going to be a, a major contributor and a major factor to what this team is uh, in March, in ACC tournament time down the stretch in ACC play is hugely reliant on what Benny can do. And this performance, you know, means a ton. I, I do still look at this team and I, I look at bench production and I, I want it to be a little bit better. Um, Taylor going two for two from three is a good sign. And I like seeing that, but the, the bench production in terms of scoring has not always been what you wanted it to be. Um, and that's something that I would love to to see improve a little bit more consistently uh, and, and having guys come in and be able to score. And I feel like too often times, uh, and this is, you know, my I'm counter arguing or playing devil's advocate to my uh, to my John Bull love. Uh, you know, John Bull is a, a non-factor in terms of being able to score himself. Right. And, and at this point, Chris Bell has a lot of games where he is a scoring non-factor and now rebounding non-factor, right? And a lot of these bench minutes are just becoming Monir, who who played a decent game when Jesse was in foul trouble, um, right? A net zero or not a net zero, uh, cannot score, doesn't score, right? There's so many guys coming in off the bench that do not score the basketball and cannot score the basketball and do not even have these moments where they're saying, hey, you know, I can score here and there, right? These bench minutes are, are very much a dip in terms of offensive production. And it's something that I think needs to increase, right? You, you mentioned it with Gerard does not have a good game every game. And I think every Syracuse fan is well aware that not every Gerard game is a good game. But when you look at that, right, your ability to win, your ability to overcome challenges, your ability to succeed as a basketball team, is that next man up. It's what Syracuse's defense was able to, on the football field, do in order to have a much better season than you'd expect, given the names that went down, given the names that uh, got hurt early on, right from game one or midway through the season against Clemson or late in the season uh, or in a bowl game when the whole defense is transferred out and you got guys that continue to step up and play. That's what Syracuse basketball needs, is that who can come in and be a scorer when Gerard has an off night or when Jesse gets into early foul trouble and Gerard is just okay, right? Who can take that next step? Uh, and it's going to need to be with some contribution of somebody off the bench. Uh, and that is what I'm really looking at right now with this team. And, and really, and we've been doing it so much because of the increased depth that Beheim is playing with and the number of players that are seeing the court every night. Uh, I think a lot of us would have assumed that that, you know, that chunk of 10 guys would have been, you know, trimmed a little bit to, to seven or eight, depending on, you know, scheme and scenario and opponent and things that happen. Uh, 
but that really hasn't trimmed all too much since the start of the season in terms of the number of guys hitting the floor. And I think that is because us as viewers, as, you know, hosts right here, Bayheim as a coach, everyone is still looking for, you know, who on this bench can have the big moments or be more consistent. And right now it is sparse and here and there. And every guy is, you know, one out of four or five games is coming in and having that big moment. So there is a ton of value and a ton of rise in terms of prominence, in terms of minutes, things like that, to any of these sort of role or bench players that can develop any sort of consistency in terms of scoring. Yeah. Uh, and I think we all know that at this point, and you're right, Owen, it's that the, the three in this lineup uh, and the rotation of those bench minutes for who's going to come in as a forward is the big question mark. And I've said this once and I'll say it again. I don't know whether or not Bayheim is just taking this at matchup based who works well against what team. But I think that you have to have some kind of established rotation. I am not a fan of the start Chris Bell until he makes a mistake and then take him out. Start the guy that should start. Okay. I don't know who that is. Maybe he doesn't either. Start the guy that should start. I don't like this. You start Chris Bell and then you rag on him because you don't like how he plays. Okay, then don't play him. Just don't play him then. I don't I really don't understand that. Makes no sense to me. Maybe he's trying like to motivate start, him. Like to start Coleman I, and then put by Kita at the line or at yeah, the table it's, before exactly, the first whistle. Exactly. Or even more recent example is starting Alan Griffin until he takes a three and then just yanking him. Um I don't like I don't understand that. Uh so I mean Chris Bell starts this game only plays 13 minutes, Justin Taylor plays 19, John Bull plays 10 like you said we're talking about that minute share. Um what you know a lineup we've seen be successful that was successful late game against Pitt was the three guard lineup that included Quadir Copeland. I wonder if they go to that more often. Quadir played 7 or 7 minutes in this game. Uh, only scored one point from the free throw line, but you know he's shown to be uh, effective at times, especially in late game. He took that three that I said, no, 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 don't shoot that. Okay, wow, he made it. Um, but I don't know. Maybe they go to three guard lineup more. I, I don't know. I'm just saying it's a little bit worrisome to me that he they it's still the lineup is the rotation is still not figured out pretty much at all. And they're still trying stuff. And you have that luxury because the first, I mean, even though you lost a pit, the beginning of the ACC schedule is incredibly soft with BC uh, and Louisville. But when you hit Virginia, it will be no laughing matter anymore. And Kihei Clark is going to destroy Syracuse if they don't know what they're doing. I am really not looking forward to Kihei Clark. I cannot believe he's Clark, 10th year senior. One millionth year senior, Kihei Clark. I cannot. He's going to destroy them if they don't know, you know, what they're doing. Um, so anyway, that's my rant, my little mini rant about uh, the rotation and whatnot. But let's get to some predictions here. The line for this game uh, is minus eight and a half for Syracuse. So I got him by nine. Um, Ken Palm says that Syracuse wins this game 72 to 64. So by eight points, they're taking uh, Louisville to cover in this one. Um, I don't know. You know, it is my always my knee jerk response is to take the other team to cover, but Syracuse to win because they, you know, we all love the cardiac cues bit. 
Um, but, you know, Syracuse does like to play it close or likes to lose until the very last, like, seven minutes. You'd be like, guys, we're losing, and then, you know, pick it up. Um, so that definitely could come into play. But let's just talk about uh, who on this Louisville team you actually have to look out for because it's a pretty short list because L. Ellis is the only guy who's scoring double digits, 17 and a half points per game, uh, and he doesn't really have a whole lot of help. Uh Brandley Hunt or Brandon Huntley Hatfield, who we've seen before, or actually college basketball has seen before as he played at Tennessee last year. Uh, he is the second leading scorer on this team, arguably the second best player on the team. And then other than, you know, those two guys, Jalen Withers is all right, but there's just not a whole lot of talent anywhere else. They're 351st in scoring. They're 312th in defense. You know, it's just they're not a recipe for success. Um, so Syracuse, like we said, should have a bit of a walk in the park in this game. But at the same time, you're playing a team that's got nothing to lose. And that's never True. a good thing. A team that has nothing to lose in the middle of the season is dangerous. OK, yeah. And especially against Syracuse, who loves losing to bad teams. Um, they do. They play the opponent. Be, I'm not saying they're going to lose. I'm going to take them to win. And I'm actually going to take uh, Syracuse to cover in this game. but. You just got to be a little bit weary. I, I think I'm in the same boat with a, a win and a cover for Syracuse in this one. I like the way they, you know, were able to find different ways to to score against BC and they battled a little bit early on and then, you know, got comfortable and it was a struggle to start the second half. Uh, and then they sort of figured things out again uh, to, to end up with a 14 point win. I sort of liked that in terms of they continued to battle, they continued to expand uh and find ways to score and a lot of that was because of benny as we we discussed um i I like them to win and cover you talked about ellis i mean ken palm has a stat which is percent possessions which means what percentage of a team's possessions end with a certain player touching the ball it's a shot a missed shot a turnover that kind of stuff ellis is sixth in the country in percent possession one third of Louisville's possessions end with Ellis and the ball, whether that's a basket, a missed shot, or a turnover. That is how paramount, crucial, important he is to their any sort of now, offensive success. Let me that add is this. how important it is. The five guys that are ahead of him, none of them play for a Power 5 school or even a Power Conference school. Uh, it's Manhattan, Detroit, Mercy, Penn, High Point, and Tarleton State that are ahead of him. Correct. So those are teams where they just give it to one guy and he scores. Okay. Yeah. Um, and Not that's kind of, of what Louisville has devolved into. Uh, so that's actually a great stat from you. That's Chad, chat with Chadwick ask from you. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, LLS is the not, only guy. Yeah. It's not the style of basketball that you see in power five. Uh, it, it's not really what you see with, with one guy being, obviously you've got guys that, you know, can score and you're running an offense to a certain guy, but that's not what power five basketball is, is having one guy be yeah. that reliant or having a team be that reliant on, and I'm going to say for success, the success has been as sparse as can be. Uh, and I will say this Louisville did not play a cakewalk of a non-conference schedule. Uh, so they have played decent teams, and I, I want to say so that means their experience. But they got caked by all of these teams that they played. Like they're not losing close games to good teams, but they have played um, 
decent teams. They lost their last game well, was to Kentucky, albeit a 23-point loss. Uh, yeah. They played Miami already. They played Maryland in the non-conference, Texas Tech, Arkansas, all in the non-conference. All of these are like 30-point losses. Well, their first three games are was the thing I was most intrigued about when I first looked at their schedule. They lost their first three games to Bellarmine, Wright State, and Appalachian State, uh, who are all bad teams, all by one point. They lost Combined to Bellarmine points. 67 to 66, Wright State 73 to 72, and Appalachian State 61 to 60. So, I mean, you had three heartbreakers right off rip in <laughs> this season. Yeah. Um, so that's got to be brutal. Uh, and that then you had to play Arkansas, who's one of the best teams in the country, then followed by Texas Tech. Then you had to play Maryland, like you said. Uh, so, I mean, th- this has just not been an easy season for them. Luckily, they picked up wins against Western Kentucky and one of the worst teams in the country in Florida A&M. But uh, Kentucky's not an easy team to beat. And no. Syracuse is hopefully going to take advantage of the momentum that that of which there is none for Louisville. Um, yeah. So anyway... Would be a bad loss for Syracuse. We both believe Syracuse will cover in this game and win by at least nine points. Owen, do you have anything else to say to the people? Final thoughts. Uh, just, I, I think this is a telling week for Syracuse basketball. Uh, get the job done against Louisville. And this weekend, you got a tough game against Virginia where I think, and no one was really looking for moral victories at this point. I understand that. But I, I think a close game against Virginia is very much a moral victory. Uh, And and so I I think there's a lot to be told and said, and I feel like I've said this for a few games so far this season, but this week is going to tell you a lot about the identity of the Syracuse basketball team and and what the rest of the season can look like outlook wise, based on, you know, how they come in in a really, really easy game against a terrible Virginia program right now. And then how they compete four days later, against a top 10 team uh, in Virginia who's playing really, really well, who looks the part, who, who's got some things going for them. Yes, they've dropped a few games recently, uh, or they're dropped out of Ken Palm's top 10. I apologize. A top 11 Ken Palm team uh, who, who's played very good basketball this year. Uh, and their two losses are to Houston, who, if you know anything right now about college basketball, is pretty darn good. Uh, and Miami, who's by no means a bad ACC team at the moment. So they are very good, well-experienced, and they're going to be very telling for, you know, what Syracuse basketball can do uh, when they're not playing against opponents that are equal to lesser than their level at this point. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, that's all the time we've got on Lockdown Syracuse today. Thanks for making it your first listen. Go make your second one, Lockdown Sports Today with Peter Bukowski. He brings you the biggest stories from around the sports world in 20 minutes. Get the analysis and opinions before anyone else with our local and national experts and insiders. That's Lockdown Sports Today, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. I'm Matt Bonaparte. He's Owen Valentine, and we'll see you tomorrow.